Tommy Harley, uh, administrator, pastor, and it's kind of cool to be back today as we do touch base on some church administration. But my question right now is, do you believe that nothing can stop God? Do you believe that? There was a book written in 1991 by Jackson Brown, not the singer, called Life's Little Instruction Book. Simple wisdom and a little humor for living a happy and rewarding life. It was originally written for some Adam as a going away gift to college. It sold more than 10 million copies and spent more than two years on the New York Times bestseller list. Today, though, in the second and final part of the gospel and servanthood, we're going to use God's word as our instruction book. And hopefully, over the last 22 weeks that we have studied and heard about prayed about, and hopefully meditated on Psalm 119 and the importance of God's word. That we will hear God's word today. As Pastor Jason mentioned, we are in the final phase of our deacon nomination process. And as we go through that, we're going to look today on the need for servanthood and the solution for servanthood or servanthood being a solution to the need and then the results of servanthood. And although the word deacon or diaconus is not mentioned in our passage today, it gives us a wonderful Acts 6 does, gives us a wonderful and godly way to help the church. So let us pray. Heavenly Fathers, we are gathered here today that you will open our ears and our words and our hearts to hear your words. They're your words, Lord. And remove all the distractions, Father, in your way. And that you will be glorified. Father, that's what this is about. Carrying your mention, Lord. Carrying out your mission. For we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Acts 6, 1 through 7. You'll turn to page 1012 if you're using a church-provided blue Bible. We're going to get started because there's a lot in here. So let's listen. This is what God's Word says in Acts 6. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews 
because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering and chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parnius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase in the number of the disciples, multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So you see, there was a need. There was a need for servanthood. The phrase, that first phrase, now in these days, refers to the previous happenings in Acts, especially Acts chapter 5. The apostles had been engaged in powerful teaching and preaching and healing ministries, beginning in Acts 3 and continuing through chapter 5. In fact, Acts 5, 42 says, and every day, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. As a result of this, the church was growing. In our Acts 6, 1, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in a number the disciples increasing in number. Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you remember last week's message, you heard that verse. Acts 4.4, but many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Acts 5.14, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. The church was growing. God's word, God's message was being preached and taught daily. How about that? Y'all want to come here every day? But you don't have to come here to hear God's word. I got a question though. The church is growing. Can growth cause problems? Let's look at where we live as an example. Would you say Charleston's growing? Charleston County's population has grown from 350,209 people in 2010 to 408,235 according to the 2020 census. This number has increased to about 419,279 by July of 2022. The Tri-County area, which includes Charleston, Dorchester, and Berkeley County, has an estimated population of 847,732 
in 2023. And on average, 30 new people daily are moving into this region. Has that caused problems? Have you sat in traffic? Have you complained about traffic? Have you complained we don't have enough infrastructure? And we could go on and on, right? The problems that the number of people who are moving into this area have caused. So that was a factor in the growth of the church here. So let's go back to verse 1. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. The word complaint is the Greek word garmenos. Like Pastor Jason, I've been practicing these all week and I still won't get them right. It is used three other times in the New Testament and it means an expression of secret and sullen discontent murmuring. This complaint, as the people were talking, may not have totally reached the apostles. It was brought by the Hellenist Jews against the Hebrew Jews. And the church at this time primarily was Jewish. And you had these two factions, for lack of a better word. The Hellenist Jews... were those of the Greek culture. They spoke Greek and tended to lean more toward the Grecian attitudes and outlook. The Hebrews were those who spoke the Aramaic language and preserved Jewish customs and culture. Many of the Hellenists were from the diaspora or the scattering, which began with the Babylonian exile. And these Jews, especially the widows, because they would have nobody to take care of themselves or to take care of them, would move back to Jerusalem to die in the holy city and hopefully to be taken care of. So what did the complaint deal with? The complaint dealt with the daily distribution, that allotment, whether it was food or money, to the widows, to the needy. But you see, there was already a process for this in the church. Acts 4, 34 and 35 tell us this. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and it lay and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. So the process was there, but the ball evidently had been dropped. Usually the money, the money process occurred on Fridays. The daily distribution of the food would occur daily. And let us remember, 
the widows were being neglected. God's word reminds us of the importance of taking care of our widows. Exodus 22, 22 through 23. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. Isaiah 1, 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Malachi 3, 5. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherer, fatherless, against those who trust aside the sojourner, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. The New Testament also gives us warning. James 1.27 Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The beauty, though, of this, and please hear this, is the apostles, those 12 recognized that there was a problem. And they did something about it. They provided a solution. And that is what we're going to look at next. Servanthood is the solution. And the complaint and lack of service possibly was not intentional on the apostles. Again, their role, preaching and teaching the word. So let's look at a need for servanthood and the solution. Acts 2, Acts 6, 2 through 4, and the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry. This is not right. And devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That almost sounds a little arrogant, doesn't it? And I got other things to do here than to serve. But you heard Pastor Jason's words, serving. And there's something beautiful, let me tell you. There's something beautiful about serving. preaching and teaching took priority over serving. What they were doing was being faithful to their calling from the Lord. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came to them, yes, the apostles, and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Even right before Acts 6 and Acts 5.42 And every day in the temple and from the house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. They were fulfilling what the Lord had commanded them to do. They had recognized, yes, we have a problem, and they are providing a solution. And we cannot overlook the Apostle Paul's words on the importance of preaching and teaching. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, the building up of the body of Christ. 1 Timothy 4, 13 through 15, Until I come, Paul's words to Timothy, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. That's where we're at. They were being faithful to their calling. So what's going to happen? Who's going to serve these tables? And what we need to understand, serving at the tables does not mean you're bringing the food to them. Okay? Tables primarily were for collecting the money and giving it out. There is some component of the food and giving it out. But see, this took time because they had to hand out the money or food to the widows, collect the money, inspect the widows, how much would they get, and try to find out their circumstances. What's going on? That takes time. And then they would have to distribute this money accordingly. That's not easy, is it? That takes time. But again, they recognized that there was a need. And to be faithful to God's calling, they had to provide a solution. And the solution was to choose seven men. And if we go back to what Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, and not the Giordano's dog, although he is wise, if you hear Pastor Kevin, as most pets are, they're very wise, and they know how to get us to take care of them, don't they? Yeah, they do. But hear these words from Exodus 18, 18 through 23. 
people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. No, obey my voice, I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for men able from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, or fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. Even Nehemiah understood the need for help. Chapter 13, verse 13. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouses of Shalema, the priest Zadok, the scribe, and Padilla of the Levites, and as their assistant Hanan, the son of Zakur, son of Mateah. For they were considerable, considered reliable, and their duty was to distribute to their brothers. Again, the apostles never lost sight of their calling. They realized that help was needed. Just as a good head coach realizes that help is needed. Today, in the church, today, we're sitting in here. Help is needed. Almost two years ago, under the leadership of Pastor Kevin and his wisdom and discernment, care groups were formed. These groups are made up of the Charleston Baptist family, as you heard Pastor Jason today talk about family. The Charleston Baptist family was divided up. And each deacon at that time was given a group of people to minister to on a somewhat regular basis. The pastoral team also received a group, and most of those are composed of widows and widowers. And as pastors, we also have a deacon care group where we hopefully minister to the deacons that we have been assigned. Please understand, this this is a work in progress, these care groups. But it comes from this passage today and also the passage in Timothy 3. Hopefully, as we continue to seek the Lord and his wisdom in the sermon and prayer, meditation, that we will get better at taking care of God's people because help is needed. That is the importance 
deacons and working together to further God's mission. So what are the qualifications, the qualities, the virtues for these seven men? And there are several thoughts on why the number seven was chosen, from seven being a perfect number to seven days a week to possibly the Jewish town councils, what we would call them, were composed of seven men. So let's look at the virtues. Good repute or reputation. Remember, these men were going to be handling money. Exodus 20:15, you shall not steal. Exodus 20:17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. A good reputation, being reliable. A second characteristic, full of the spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 may sum this up best. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, a good such things. There is no law. Wisdom. Psalm 111, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. James 3, 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Good reputation. Full of the spirit. Being wise. And then a passage that, as a pastoral and deacon team, we are going through and have been doing this since January, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 10. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Those are pretty powerful words, aren't they? They're not man's words, though. They're God's words. Did you notice something about this? They're all spiritually based. There's no mention that they had to be good at business. There's no mention that they have to have financial success. There's no mention that they had to be popular. There's no mention that they had to have strategic planning skills. And as Pastor Kevin repeatedly reminded us last week, a true servant must rest in Jesus' love and abide in Jesus before they can truly do or serve. And notice some of the first officers of the church were called to serve and not to speak. So we've looked at the need for service. The apostles provided a solution for servanthood. And let's look at the results. First, inside the church. Acts 6, 5 through 7. And when they said, please, the whole gathering, 
And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parnemius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests came obedient into the faith. You see that? The whole body was in agreement. And did you notice, did you pick up on that all seven of these men had Greek or Hellenistic names? They were also set apart, probably commissioning them by the laying on of hands, almost the same as in Numbers 27, 23. And he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses, talking about Joshua. Inside the church, everybody was in agreement. And now outside the church, featuring Stephen and Philip, since they are the only two mentioned again in the New Testament, although Prochorus is thought to have become secretary to the Apostle John. Acts 6.8, and Stephen, full of grace and power, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. In a verse that many of you are familiar with regarding his stoning, Acts 8.1, And there arose on a day that a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. The apostles stayed but the rest were scattered. Go back to Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses where? Stephen, the first martyr. And then Philip. Acts 8.5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Reading on a little farther. Acts 8.8. There was much joy in that city. Acts 8, 12, But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And then Acts 8, 35 and 38, again, many of you may know this. Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning with this scripture, he told the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Outside the church, the results of what those apostles from guidance from the Lord said should happen. Two seven men. The church continued to grow. Yes, it started being persecuted later, but the church continued to grow. Look where we're at today. As we come to the application 
of this. What does this mean for us sitting in here this morning? How appropriate that we had family dedication today. Think God doesn't have a sense of humor? Family dedication. We are a family. We are a family. If you are a believer in Jesus, you're a family. It doesn't matter if you're in Africa, Asia, or Charleston, South Carolina. You're one family. This reminds me of the 1979 song, We Are Family, by Sister Sledge. And it talks about the unity of those sisters. And a little side note, since it's baseball playoffs, this song helped probably, maybe a little, help the Pittsburgh Pirates win the 1979 World Series. We are family. We are family. And this is what God's word says about family. Romans 12, 4 through 6. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 20, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? as there are many parts, yet one body. See, we are one body. We don't all have the same functions. We don't all have the same gifts. Because I cannot sing. Pastor Sean, again, can attest that. But those who can, use your gifts for the glory of the Lord. It's like a sports team that has players with different abilities but the common goal of winning. Or a choir whose members have different abilities whether they're singing soprano or alto, bass or tenor or baritone. They want to blend their voices to make beautiful music. Or even a band with different instruments. They work together for the common goal of making beautiful music music. And in closing with this verse from 1 Peter 4.10 As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. You see, as we've gone through this, the church, the church, God's church is not a one-person show. It is to glorify one person but it's not a one-person show. If you are a believer, are you using your gifts or gift to carry out the mission? As we heard last week, are you following the example set by Jesus when it comes to serving? We need help.
We need help to carry out God's mission and to glorify the one who there is no power that can stop him. Where are you at? Yes, we are one body, and we do need help. If you are a believer, you receive the gift or gifts. What do you do with them? And another question is, if you are serving, why are you serving? The motivation. Go back to Jesus washing his disciples' feet. The humility. Right before he went to the cross, the humility. But he did it to glorify his Father and set the example. So as we...